Welcome to Passports and Pizza, a podcast about everything by two carb-loving, carry-on-only gals. I'm Laura, a traveler and teacher with an appetite for adventure. And I'm Sarah, an artist and food blogger who travels mainly for the food. Join us as we dive into anything and everything that's on our plate and on our mind. What up? What's up, y'all? <laughs> How's it going, everyone? How are we living? <laughs> How's it going? Here we are. I feel weird not looking at I know. you. <laughs> We're in a kind of strange setup. We're in Sarah's office today with like our actual legit microphones and not really facing each other. So we're like dodging around. We got to get like an actual setup one of these days. Yeah, we need like a real podcasting table or something. If anyone wants to support our dreams, you can send us Venmo or Cash App. (laughs) But seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we should just set up a just a have, Venmo. A yeah. Venmo. Oops. A Venmo. A Venmo. To support our pizza habits and cocktail habits. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we get into salty sweets? Okay, so I'm going to start with my salty, which is my sinuses are whack. Oh, no. So um, it's fall allergy season, and I always have bad allergies, spring, summer, fall, winter. does not matter. I have horrible allergies. Um, and, you know, adopting a kitten probably didn't help that because it was during the peak of allergy season. But um, it's definitely not just cat allergies. It's everywhere I go, my sinuses are stuffed up. I constantly sound and feel like I have a stuffy nose. So I'm getting to the point where it's hard for me to sleep sometimes because I can't like breathe very well. And um, I'm considering seeing a specialist, which is pretty real. <laughs> like I have dealt with this basically my entire life and mm. I'm getting to my breaking point. So. Yeah. Okay. If anyone can uh, feel my pain mm. and give me a recommendation. Well, unfortunately my uh, recommendation would be you got to heal that gut. <laughs> Hey, not a bad yeah. uh, tip there. Allergies definitely are affected by your gut health because it has to do with like the whole immune system mm-hmm. situation and how your body reacts to like histamines and um and allergies is actually like an overabundance of attacking. Yeah. Your your immune system is like mm-hmm. over attacking whatever small thing is irritating it. So yeah. that's interesting. Cuz since I've like worked on my gut health, my allergies have definitely gotten better. Because they really are very connected. Ugh, I got to do it then. Everybody's got to work on their gut health, you guys. I got to do the poop test. Just do it. Oh, we haven't even talked about that yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Do you want to get into your salty? <laughs> well, I also have like a medical salty. Because um, one thing I didn't mention in our catch-up episode is that another really annoying part of 2020 for me is that I have not really been able to wear contacts for the entirety of this year. And I have worn contacts every day for like almost 20 years. And Sarah is blind as a bat. I'm super blind. I do not like wearing my glasses. I don't feel like myself when I wear them. And it's, it's really just been piling on with everything this year that I've had going on to then look in the mirror and see my glasses is just so frustrating. Yeah. And my eye doctor was really struggling to figure out the best solution for me. Cause like I kept trying these eye drops for this one thing. And then he'd, he'd be like, okay, just don't wear your contacts for like a month and do these eye drops. But then the eye drops just made my eyes more dry. And then I put my contacts in after like two months of not wearing them. 
and the problem would come right back. So, and he's like, well, you really got to not wear your contacts. I'm like, I have not worn them for months. Trust me when I tell you. (laughs) So he has now referred me to a specialist, which I'm going to in a couple weeks from this recording, because now he thinks I actually have an allergy problem in my eye. Mm. So somehow I developed this weird, like, it's almost like my allergies switched from being like, other symptoms to showing up in my eye for some reason. So I'm hoping the specialist can prescribe me something that's more specific to the allergy reaction that I'm having. And maybe that will fix it. Or worst case scenario, I need surgery. Or they're like, yeah, you can never wear contacts again. Well, let's hope it's not that. But yeah, yeah, seriously. I mean, sometimes you got to see a specialist. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. want to pay for it, but I know <laughs> when the rubber hits the road, like I don't at really this know. point though, I'm ready to pay for a specialist, but it, yeah, it's just like, it, it's just another blip. Well, here's hoping we both cure our Ill- <laughs> Ill- illnesses, our problems. Whatever. Right. <laughs> okay. So my suite is thanks to, um, Harry Potter, TikTok that I've somehow cornered myself in, um, <laughs> We've mentioned before that TikTok is our happy place nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been getting like a lot of TikTok, um, Harry Potter stuff, like even weird like POV stuff that I don't even really watch, but I'm just like, these people are so intense. Like I don't like go, like get it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, all these Harry Potter things kept popping up and I was like, I don't even really, like I love the books. I love rereading the books, but it's fall. It's like halloween right now. So I'm all about the Harry Potter vibe. So I rewatched the first Harry Potter movie and it is such a little cozy blanket because really? they're so small Oh yeah. and they're so cute. And the whole time I was watching, I was like, I don't really love the movies, but going to see that world is like a happy little escape in mm-hmm. our pandemic world that we're currently living in. Yeah. So it, it was like such a little joyful thing to watch the first Harry Potter movie. And I think I'm going to watch all of them just because because I I don't even think I've seen every single one, but no. mm-hmm. I've seen most of them. But either yeah. way, I feel like I'm just going to escape to Hogwarts and that's just going to be it. Nice. So that's my suite. That's cute. Yeah. <laughs> well, my suite has to do with the weather, which sounds kind of boring, but I just not boring. I do love this weather where we're transitioning out of summer, but it's not like cold fall yet. Yeah, so, it's still I mean, Indian had, summer. Yeah, like we've had a couple probably colder days, but mostly the weather has been that perfect thing where it's like, I don't need the heat or the air conditioning on in my house. I can have the windows open, but I've especially been liking it because it's the perfect weather for me to take my lunchtime walks at work. Oh, so jealous. So it's like warm enough that I don't need a jacket or anything, but also not too hot that I get back to my office and I'm like sweating in my jeans. It's the perfect pleasant sweater weather. Yeah. So I've taken a couple lunchtime walks in the last week or two. And it just always makes me feel so much better. Especially if I don't have time that day for like a workout. It just feels good to get outside and get some vitamin D on my skin and stuff. So good. I currently teach in a another cave so i have no windows so that sounds like heaven yeah Ooh, yeah i will have a window next year okay (laughs) yeah right now it's like and teachers don't really have a lunch break but Mm -hmm. you know we do but we don't and i'm so jealous that sounds great Mm -hmm. do you ever like take coffee with you just like well actually the one day i i 
I like to walk to the one coffee shop because it's just far enough away that I can go get a coffee and then walk back. But I went there and this coffee shop is in a place that's also a distillery and a brewery and like restaurant. And the coffee shop part wasn't open. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so then I just took a longer walk, which was fine. Yeah. But then like the other day I walked to get myself pizza. So it wasn't even so much of like a walk for my lunch break, but I got to walk a few blocks, be outside, get some pizza, and then walk back. It's so important so for people pleasant. to get outside. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, that's like, that's what really gets to me in the wintertime, though, is yeah. not being outside like that in the warmth of the sun. It just, it feeds my soul. Yeah, you you love the sun. I'm a vampire. Right. But I do think that mental health and, like, Mm-hmm. Seasonal depression is a real thing. Yes, it is. And the number one cure is sunlight. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Got to enjoy it while you can. Yeah. But anyway, this episode is fun because we have a guest. Yes. It is my friend Erica from the blog, The Pancake Princess. She does these amazing bake-offs. So if you're not familiar with her, you might want to pause the pod just you know, give a quick check on her Instagram, the Pancake Princess, or her blog, just to like get a sense of who we're chatting with and um, enjoy. She's the best. Yeah, she's great. We had a lovely time talking with her. Yeah, we did have some te- technical difficulties. Yeah. <laughs> so Lara is our technical expert, and she's gonna kind expert. of Frankenstein <laughs> it together and hopefully make it sound good. Yes. Yeah, so I apologize in advance for the sound quality. We'll get it together for the next one. My yeah. microphone basically did not exist, so I had to re-record. <laughs> Either way, you probably won't even know. Let's hope. You know. <laughs> But um, yeah, yeah, we're really thankful that Erica was able to join us. So we hope you enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. So anyway, here's Erica. <laughs> yeah. We hope you enjoy it. Yeah. Erica is the creator of The Pancake Princess, a baking blog that tests and curates the internet's most popular recipes to discover the ultimate chef's kiss best. Besides winning the 2019 Savour Blog Awards for Baking and Sweets, Erica is the queen recipe tester in her blog's iconic bake-off posts, providing her techniques, ingredients, the nitty-gritty good stuff that results in delicious baked goods. Her strenuous testing and her love for data-driven baking has us so inspired to get into the kitchen to test out her cookies. Hello, LaVan Cookie Bake Off, talking to you. We love her. You're going to love her. Welcome, Erica. Well, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. I feel like I'm talking to celebrities and I'm just so honored. (laughs) That's 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 so sweet. (laughs) Well, we're so excited to have you. So obviously, Sarah is really the baker out of the two of us. And you're both very data driven, I believe. Yeah, Eric and I, you and I have been blogging friends for quite a while now. And like, we've talked a lot about how we really need to hang out. And like she needs to come to the Feast of St. Pizza. Yeah. I need to join in on one of her crazy bake-offs. Like we're definitely like we share oh. a brain a yes. little bit when it comes yes. to baking. <laughs> oh my God, Sarah, speaking of your Feast of St. Pizza, I was literally talking to my friends and we were like, we have to do this in Houston. Like what better thing to do in quarantine than just like bike around Houston eating all the pizza. And I was like, we're going to use Sarah's as our template. Ooh, does Houston have good pizza places? I think so, actually. Like, there is a place here that I think 
holds up to like some of the best pizza places I've been to in other cities. Um, yeah, I feel like it has an actually pretty solid pizza scene, but not as much for like New York pizza if you like that. But I prefer Neapolitan and I feel like we're doing fine in that arena. Oh, well, that seals the deal. Then then you got to do it. <laughs> so our, our first question is, um, can you explain how you came to create your iconic Bake Off posts? <laughs> uh, and for people who don't really know what that means, obviously, please explain what we mean when we say a Bake Off post. Sure. Um, so flattered that you called it iconic. Um, so <laughs> it really, I think, came about because... My friend Skylar is the one who had the idea. He was like, what if we just tested like a bunch of chocolate chip cookie recipes and figured out which one was the best? And we were like, yeah, like that would be awesome. And we talked about it for like literally months and months, maybe years. And then it wasn't until Hurricane Harvey came through Houston and we were stuck inside and we were bored out of our minds. So he had actually come to visit me for my birthday and he was supposed to like he flew in on a Thursday. He literally jumped out of a box to surprise me, like almost scared me to death and was going to fly back to New York on Sunday. But then I think it was like Saturday night when Hurricane Harvey like rolled in. All flights were canceled. It was just this crazy, crazy time. And so he and like a few other friends were just stuck in my house um, with my roommate and I while we were like going through this natural disaster and we were like trying to figure out like ways to help. But ultimately, we were really just like stuck inside and so by the end of the week we were so stir crazy that we were like what if we just do the cookie bake-off that we've been talking about all this time and so we just did it and we invited a bunch of our friends over oh my gosh pre-covid we literally just invited whoever and just like stuffed everyone inside the house it was great um and then we had everyone taste the cookies and skylar is a huge tableau user so he kind of like i think we both wanted to do some kind of like data thing but i think maybe I came up with a survey and he analyzed the data. And so that's kind of, that was the genesis of the bake-offs. And then from there, it's been kind of like an evolving process. Yeah. So you do like a really cool thing where you analyze the recipes themselves, like in terms of ingredients, ratios, and, you know, various techniques and stuff. But then you also have the data from your friends and how they actually rank them based on like, taste like flavor texture or like for the levan cookie bake-off it's like how closely does this actually resemble the original you know so like you get all this different information and then because i'm a visual person who loves charts (laughs) to see all of this like you know presented or you have like scatter plots and pie charts and all kinds of graphs it's just that leads me to the question, do you, do you think you're like a, a very mathematical person sort of like naturally? That's a great question because growing up, I feel like if you kind of typecast me and my siblings, like my sister was a sporty one. I was like the writing, like artistic one. And then my brother was kind of like a mix of everything. Like I feel like he's good at everything, um, but probably leans more math and science. So I would say I don't think of myself that way. But once I started doing the bake-offs, I realized that I really do like quantifying things when possible. Um, And I'm trying to think of a good example um, and not really thinking of anything except for this wild example, which maybe we can cut out of the podcast, but if you like it, you can keep it in. Um, Did you hear of that girl? I think her boyfriend posted on Reddit that he like found this Excel spreadsheet of like all of the things, like she had been tracking their entire relationship from the start of like, you know, how many times like they had like 
gone on a date per week and like how happy like tracked her mood and like tracked like um how many times a week they had like been intimate and like all of these different things and so not that I've ever done that or would do that but that kind of thing like really <laughs> speaks to me like I like health trackers you know like looking at how many oh, steps yeah. I walk and Dude, walk this per is day where so. you and I have the same brain <laughs> I would like almost do that. Yeah. I was like, that's crazy. But is it? So. Is it though? <laughs> well, since you mentioned like the pre-COVID world, uh, how do these things work with your friends versus how you do them now with social distancing? Uh, another great question. Okay. So when COVID hit, I was like, man, I'm going to have to stop my bake-offs until COVID ends. And then clearly after a few months, it was like, this is not going to end. Um, and yeah. So previously the way a bake-off would work is I would send out an invite and then I don't know, anywhere from like 20 to like 50 people might like come into my house, like flowing in and out over the course of like three or four hours or something. And I would like just set out all the food on a table and then everyone would like come get their samples and then rate them as they're tasting and like come back and get more samples if they wanted. And so with COVID, the way I've transitioned the bake-off format is that everyone comes by with a muffin tin ideally because that is like perfectly sectioned off for each of the samples and then they just come to my door give me the muffin pan and then I like put their samples in and then they go back to their home and like do the tasting there and so it's a little tricky with things like <laughs> it is very fun and all my neighbors are like why are all these people coming to your house and I'm like sorry <laughs> I'm just like muffin tin. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm sure it looks very bizarre but um yeah, it typically works really well, but things like the Levan cookie tasting, it was like I had to make sure to specify, like, please eat the samples, like, right away. They're not going to be good cold. Um, things mm-hmm. like I would love to do an ice cream, like, churn off, I guess, um, but I probably can't do that until people can come back inside my house because, like, I did a pancake, I call it a bake-off, a while back, and I made a pancake one and a waffle one. And I made everyone like come in and like eat them as they were like coming off hot off the griddle. So things like that, yeah. I feel like you need people to like really eat it fresh and like ice cream. Obviously there's no way to transport it without it melting. Um, at mm-hmm. least at the scale that I want to do it. So mm-hmm. some things will have to wait, but for the yeah. most part, like most baked goods trans- transfer pretty well. Well, I feel like for me, the most insane thing about your bake-offs is that you make all these recipes in the same day. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. A it's so insane. Like, if I were to make my chocolate chip cookie recipes, like, from start to finish, you know, it's, it's like a two-hour process. And if you're doing that for 10 to 12 different recipes and you're keeping them all straight and they might have different baking temperatures and baking times and all this stuff, like, it just, that, it just blows my mind. Because, <laughs> like, when I did my chocolate chip cookie, like, bake-off, I did it over the course of like two years where I would just make a recipe and take notes on what I thought and keep that information for myself or whatever. But you're like, I'm just going to make 12 cookie recipes in one day and invite all of my friends over (laughs) to eat them. And it's just, I feel like it's kind of what I've done, but on like steroids. It's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But also I have to brag that Erica has made, my ultimate chocolate chip cookie recipes in her original cookie bake-off and then she did my vegan chocolate chip cookies and she also recently made this zucchini bread recipe yes. that I I got from my friend Lauren 
who it was her mom's recipe and her mom got the recipe from a neighbor like 20 years ago but it was then like passed on to me and I tweaked it ever so slightly and um when Erica was doing her zucchini bread bake-off I was like I make this crazy recipe where you puree the zucchini in a blender and she was like send it to me (laughs) so yeah that's really fun that was such an awesome recipe yeah I mean, who wants to sit there and grate all of their zucchini? Um, not me. <laughs> Thank God my neighbor had a food processor and did all of that for me. But I think like pureeing zucchini, amazing. The next time I make zucchini bread, I'm going to do that again. And also I loved your chocolate chip cookie recipe. I know the original one, like maybe, I don't think it got chipped. I think it should have done way better than it did. I just crave that like thick <laughs> fudgy texture all the time. It's just so good. Yeah. I was uh looking back on that post today before your interview and I loved it because so for that one you had like your initial recipe testers but then you also sent some back with your brother to college and it was the college kids who like hated my cookie recipe because it was like too salty and then but all of your friends it ranked really high and then it was one of your friends said that my cookie was too rare yes (laughs) because it's so like fudgy in the middle (laughs) Oh, yes. Maybe one of my favorite descriptors ever for a cookie. Just like a fine, rare steak. (laughs) Well, what I love about your blog is that you really lay it out for everyone's opinions and preferences. And I think that's honestly why um, we have so much fun with Feast of St. Pizza. Um, You know, it's not only just the pizza, it's the banter, it's the experience as a whole, comparing notes and textures and preferences. And I love that about your blog. Yeah. And yeah, because you definitely give your own personal opinion, but then, you know, it's, it is always interesting to yeah. see what the overall group has to say. But then I also like how, you know, you'll sometimes be like, listen, if you want a recipe that's really quick with good payoff, here's your recipe. But if you like them like this, this is your, your go-to. That's always helpful. Oh, thanks. And yeah, I feel like it's a tough, it's like a fine line to walk between like purely just like looking at the data and seeing what the tasters have kind of decreed to be like the top cookies. And then also having like my set of opinions, which don't always align with what like the data says. And so it's like, that's why I've gotten some feedback. That's like, what's like the best and like, please just like give us the best and like, you know, top three, whatever. And I'm like, I just don't believe in like a best cookie for like everyone. Cause everyone like, a best chocolate chip cookie, you might like it thin and crispy or like thick and super doughy. Like there's not going to be one cookie that is the best for like those two types of people or like the thousands of other cookie profiles out there. So I think like you could have like a best thin and crispy cookie, but like that would take like thousands of bake-offs to like really narrow it down. So to your point, that's why I try to kind of like break it down by if you like this, then this cookie will probably be like a favorite for you. Um. Well, I had a question about like does your day job influence your bake-offs in any way like are you actually like a data-driven scientist during the day or not Mm. (laughs) or yeah I actually no I almost do zero data analysis in my day job and to be quite honest um Skylar still does most of the chart um like production for me. So if you see anything that looks tableau-ish, it's Skylar running it. So I'll usually do like the recipe composition charts. 
but usually I'll do like an initial calculation of the data to be like, cause I'm so curious, like which one won and like which one got last. Um, and then I'll send the data over to him and then he'll like kind of polish it and put it into some kind of Tableau chart to say like, you know, here's the order of okay. the finalists. That's cool. Do you have a favorite bake off that you've done so far? Or do you have like a crowd pleaser, you know, everyone loves? Uh, let's see. I feel like I want to circle back to this question, but one recipe that really stood out to me in the zucchini bread bake-off was, it's not not without salt recipe. It's from like Renee Erickson maybe, but it was like via her blog. Um, and it was just like lemon zest and olive oil and ginger. And like normally I feel like I have a pretty classic flavor profile. Like I just like a straight up classic zucchini bread, but this one was just like so moist and like all the flavors were amazing. And so that's one that I like constantly crave and I'm like, when can I make it again? But I would eat the whole loaf. So I've been like trying to put it off. Yeah. That was one I wanted to try from reading that post. I was like, plus anything Ashley makes you can trust. Right. So that's I, yeah. Yeah. Her cookies are also <laughs> still like pretty much my go-to if I'm making chocolate cookies and I want to do it pretty fast, but I want to impress people. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I feel like also it was either flour bakery or brave tarts lemon bar. Now I can't remember which it was, but it was like the tart, most tart, but like luscious curd I've ever had in a lemon bar. And like, those were also like, I'm not a huge lemon bar person, but I was like, these are so, so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then your question around an upcoming bake-off, that's going to be a huge crowd pleaser. I have gotten so many requests for carrot cake. I cannot. I'm like, you guys, it's coming. I want to do it next, like February, March, like in time for Easter. Um, but I've been putting it off because there are a number of decisions that I'm really torn about, which is like, do I include all of the mix-ins, like the nuts and the pineapple or whatever people like to put in carrot cake? Because on one hand, like a recipe, like wouldn't be the same if you took all the mix-ins out. But on the other hand, I feel like influences the cake so much. Like, should we just do a base carrot cake and then you can add the mix-ins as you want? And then when it comes to like the cream cheese frosting, my God, there are just like so many factors to it that I'm like, I've just been putting it off, but people the people want it. So I will give it to them eventually. <laughs> well, that makes me think of another question, which is on average, what would you say a typical bake-off costs you in terms yeah, of ingredients? Cause like, that's a lot of stuff mm. to be buying or like a lot of lemons for those lemon. Bars. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Can I just tell you for the lemon bar bake-off? <laughs> I, bought this bag of lemons that was like on clearance at Kroger and I was like great like 20 lemons for a dollar or something they were like this big like I'm holding up like the size of a ping pong ball and so I was just sitting there juicing these lemons like this is the biggest mistake of my life so um I do try to make it economical for myself if I can but I think I remember calculating for the brownie bake-off it was maybe like 120 or so because the chocolate for that one was extremely expensive um, because I love Valrona and Ghirardelli and I feel like you just can't cut corners with like bad chocolate when it comes to bake-offs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like it can vary, but maybe like a hundred on average, like it's not terrible, but it is like right. an extreme amount of yeah. baking. So are you just completely exhausted at the end of the day? I would say like, it, that has to be a marathon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I used to be like 
wiped out. But these days, I have this group of friends who just like to stay until the end and then we'll go get like food, take out or whatever from somewhere. And I found that like maybe it's that I'm just like baking and then people like aren't in my house and I'm having to like kind of facilitate the tasting. But the fact that people are just like doing the tasting remotely, I feel like I'm yeah. usually okay at the end of the day. Yeah. Um because I, I think I was going to comment on this earlier, but when you were talking about like doing all of the baking in one day, mm-hmm. it's a lot of prep work. So I make sure to like schedule everything out in my sheet. I do as much ahead of time as I can, like measure out all the dry ingredients. And so usually the day of, if it's something like, um, what did I do recently? Like the Levin cookie bake-off actually wasn't that bad at all because I had all the dry ingredients. So it was basically like creaming butter and sugar and then like adding the dry mm-hmm. and then baking them. So... Yeah, I feel like it can go pretty fast, but when you do something like a cake where you have to like make the frosting yeah. the day of and like bake the cake the day of and then just like frost it, oh that's you that can be a nightmare. Do you rope any friends in to help you by like cleaning up oh, as yeah. you go this or something? Yeah. <laughs> um prior to COVID, I did have a few friends who would come and help out and my god, it was the best thing ever. Like if I ever make this more of a full-time thing and I can afford like someone to come and clean up after me that would be like my number that would mean I would have made it um but yeah these days not so much um I feel bad because I hate cleaning so I'm not gonna like drag a friend in to clean <laughs> yeah. for me Ooh, I have sort of a different question it has to do with travel um I was skimming your Instagram and I saw that you were obsessed with finding pastes de nata in Portugal. So I was wondering if you discovered the best and where they were uh, during your time in lovely Portugal. Yes. But, okay, now I'm kind of, I'm rusty. I should have reviewed this before we talked. But <laughs> I did, I think I ate 12 or I tried 12 of them over the course of like the four days that I was there because I'm obviously addicted to sugar and I was just like, got to try them all. Um, they're so good. Like even the stale ones that were just like at this like corner store that we got at like midnight one night was still really good. Um, but I think it was Peste de Belém or something. And it's like technically not a Peste de Nada, but like that was my favorite. Um, and I think we tracked down several on the list of like the official like best you know, whatever, um, by some Portugal publication. Um, and there were a few that were like pretty good, but that to me was like the best one. Oh yeah. From what I remember, those were so bomb. Um, could you tell us, um, more about your time in Lisbon and what are some of the other travel experiences you've had besides there? Man. So Lisbon was actually an offshoot of being in Barcelona for three and a half months. So I was, so, so lucky that my boss of my day job let me kind of do a work rotation in the Barcelona office for three and a half months. And so I was like based there, but I went to Lisbon for a weekend trip and I went to Macedonia for my friend's wedding. That was awesome. Um, I think I went to London on a business trip and I think that was pretty much it while I was there. Um, but I would say going to the Macedonian wedding was incredible. Like it had Macedonia had never been on my travel bucket list before, but if you have the chance, I think like Macedonia, I hear that Albania, um, obviously Croatia, like those kind of Mediterranean countries. Um, the food is 
so, so amazing. Like the produce is just super fresh. Like the tomatoes were so vibrant and everything is really, really cheap. And so every meal we had there was just incredible. Um, other travel experiences. I feel like I'm just going to talk about the food. I'm trying to remember like anything that I actually did in Lisbon or. (laughs) Yeah. Is that what you do too? Do you just plan where you're going to eat all day? Like we do. (laughs) Yes, Sarah. It's literally like, I'm going to eat here, 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 here. And then like, what can we do in between so that we can digest? Make sure you just walk everywhere. Yeah. So you got to like balance it with like the right amount of sites. But sometimes I like sit down to plan a trip and I'm like, I don't know if this is like how you should be doing it because it's really just so food focused which I know everyone like has their own thing but um I did go surfing in Barcelona which like not known for their surf Lisbon is actually a better place for that but the water is also so so cold and didn't get a chance to try it there that was super fun um I wish I could think of like a better Barcelona experience that I could tell you about since I spent a good amount of time there. Yeah, we're definitely foodie travelers here. We travel mainly for the food. (laughs) Um, So I have a question about that sort of subject. Um, For anyone who may be listening and planning a trip internationally when it's appropriate and safe, or maybe you're going for a long weekend somewhere local, um, could you tell us how do you find like a really great uh, foodie spot? Uh, how do you how do you discover that? Ooh, that is a great question. Um, I actually feel like I found some really cool places in Lisbon just from asking on Instagram because um, people. I feel like everyone is so well traveled now, and people had a lot of great recs. Like we had dinner at this one place that was incredible, and I would have never found it without someone recommending it to me. Um, I think multiple people recommended it. So that's when you know it's either really touristy or really good. Luckily, I think it was probably a mix of both. Um, That and I love when I already like know a travel blogger who's covered the place that you're going. Um, But that's not always the case. So I don't know. Sometimes I'll just look at like the geotag of a city and kind of scroll through and see if I spot any like dishes that look really good. Um, but I feel like word of mouth tends to be the best. Um, and even within my own network, I feel like my friends, like when I went to Thailand, one friend was actually from Thailand. And so she gave me like the best list of recommendations, which I have since passed on to like five other friends who've gone to Thailand. So yeah. Nice. So pancake princess, did you, initially start off by mostly posting pancake recipes or how did that name come across come about (laughs) okay I'm gonna try to like shorten the deep cut but basically in college my friend and I his name was Kunle he loved just like eating meat all the time he was like protein protein bodybuilder and then I was like vegetarian but we both loved sugar and so we were like, let's start a blog and like, you'll cover like meat and I'll cover like vegetable stuff. And then we'll both write about dessert. And so we were going to call it the pancake princess and the protein prince. And that lasted for, I think two blog posts. And then he dropped off. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to keep it and keep doing desserts under the pancake princess. And so, gosh, that was way back in 2012. And so it has been a long winding journey. Um, I, like 
you mentioned the Sabur yeah. Award, and I remember looking at those nominees yeah. like back in 2013, 2014, and just being like, wow, I will never. But then it happened, and it was the most incredible thing. My God, I yeah. just, I love Sabur so much for bringing together bloggers. Like, I know it's kind of like a That's so whatever. Cool. Sometimes those titles are like, you know, I don't know, like a publicity stunt, or I feel like people can't ascribe like that much meaning to them in this digital age sometimes. But I feel like being able to just like meet a bunch of other bloggers through that event, like especially Amy from Constellation Inspiration, we had never met before, but we ended up being roommates while we were there because Michelle from Hummingbird High was like, I think she knew both of us and was like, oh, you guys would probably get along. Oh, yeah. Um, ugh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I totally followed your trip and it was like living vicariously <laughs> through you guys in your hotel room and just totally palling around. Uh, yes, it was so, so fun. So deeply indebted to Sever for putting that on. And congratulations again for the Sever Awards. It's a huge deal, you know? Yeah. And also for the fact that you've stuck with your blog so consistently for this long and kind of kind of like rebranded with your bake-offs and you've just like gone whole hog into this thing. And uh, it's obviously going super well for you and everybody loves it. And it like, you know, when no one else is really doing it like that. So right now to have your food blog be so different from everything else, like, I mean, I definitely don't read as many food blogs as I used to. But I definitely keep track of your bake-offs. Plus, they're super helpful. Yeah, incredibly helpful. And then it's like one blog post, and now I suddenly have like 10 recipes I need to try. So, And then now I know it's like, well, if I want to make, you know, a pound cake or biscuits or something. Okay, I do actually have a question for you guys, which is I have had just a couple people give me feedback, like in... I guess like the racial injustice movement has like obviously brought a lot more awareness around diversity in general. And so do you guys, I would love to know if you guys have any tips on like finding more diverse recipes and have you ever noticed that it's like kind of actually, I don't know if this is the best question to ask in this form. So you can cut this part out. But honestly, I was like, when I look at selecting recipes, I just use like the big names that are usually out there. And then like a lot of the suggestions that people send me on Instagram. So I'll usually put a call out like one, maybe two times out and see like what pecan pie recipes would you like me to test? And so sometimes I just like, don't get a whole lot of diversity in those recipes Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to figure out how to branch out. Um, And obviously like I need to do the research, but like people aren't really, I feel like it's hard to balance the yeah. like yeah. bigger names that people want to see and will recognize versus like right. someone who may not be as right. And those established. bigger names tend to be white people. Tra- yeah, traditionally right. White women, right. And then, the yeah. And I think this, like the fact that it's hard to find is just part of the larger issue at hand where, you know, those recipes, like if that person is less likely to be a success, because of racism then their posts will not show up higher on google and then also if you take a a step further you know a lot of people of color are less likely to have the disposable income and disposable time to be writing 
recipes for the internet. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, the only thing I can really think um, that I found especially helpful um, is on my Instagram feed. Um, there were a lot of different people uh, sharing excellent Black-owned businesses, Black creators, um, diversified artists' recipes in their Instagram stories. And a lot of them have them saved on their highlights now. So I've revisited that um, quite a bit. So, I mean, that being said, I still think it's our job to continue to acknowledge how much of a white bubble we're in and stuff. Uh, but I don't know. That's a great idea. Honestly, that's such a great question. I'm glad you asked. Like Food 52 and other places did roundups of uh, cookbooks by black authors. And I was honestly like surprised at how many amazing cookbooks there were by black authors that I had never heard of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so many talented people out there who just aren't getting the same press and attention. So I don't know. Or I don't know. Maybe you could even do some kind of fake-off post or something that's, like, just highlighting yeah. black creators or something like that. That would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but I think it's cool Ugh, that you're I love these ideas. About that. No, it's, it's so important, and I think, yeah, it says a lot about you as a creator and as a person to just, like, be consciously thinking about that, and, you know, and I think we, we have as well, even in terms of, like, how we plan the podcast and what sort of guests we want to have on and yeah. 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 I mean, I definitely have to give all credit to the people who have brought it up to me because like I was just sitting in my bubble kind of like unaware. So thank you to those people for like raising it to my um, consciousness. Um, but yeah, I think it's like an important thing to think about, especially when like we love cooking so much to try to diversify all of our sources. Question. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we should wrap this up. Yeah. So, so Erica, tell us again where we can find you. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram at the pancake princess or on my website at the pancake princess.com. Perfection. <laughs> it was so lovely to talk to you. Yeah. See your face and talk to you in person. Yes. <laughs> Even though we've been like DMing for a while. And recommendations <laughs> wait no we gotta do a listener question oh yeah listener question you always try to skip that i don't know why i'm not trying to be rude listeners oh this one was really good okay so this listener question um comes from caitlin bishop on instagram and she asks hugga home updates yeah so i'm guessing what she means is like Anything we've kind of done to our home to update it for Hoga season. And, yeah. And also, I mean, let's be honest, like quarantine is, oh, was yeah. really all about being Hoga. Absolutely. All the time. As much as possible. And also, as we know from our Hoga episode, it's not like you can still be Hoga in the summer. Oh, yeah. And it's not necessarily purchases either. It's like the little things that you sort of do to comfort yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So I recently bought a house. <laughs> so um, most of quarantine was not very hygge for me. But mm-hmm. initially it was before we had moved in our little apartment, which was very mm-hmm. cozy and warm on those like fall or sorry, those um, March sort of like brisk dark days. days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but since we've now been in the new house, um, I still stand by the standards. So (laughs) sugared birch candles from Target. Yeah. The best. Your go-to. I'm a little worried because they were out for a little bit, but now I can't find them. 
It'll come back. I feel like it's a little early. It's, it's still early. Because it is sort of like a piney. Mm-hmm. To me, it smells like Christmas. Yeah, so it's like Christmas. Maybe, you know, after the pumpkin spice stuff fades away. I'm yeah. hoping it'll come back. Please come back. It's like my favorite thing. I'm sure it will. Um, I have a Sherpa-lined uh, blanket that's like mm-hmm. so soft, mm. so cozy. Vincent has claimed it as his own. Yeah. Do you have like a blanket that you really love at home? I do have kind of a Sherpa one downstairs with the a couch. That was a gift from um, my brother-in-law's girlfriend, Tiffany. I don't know if she's listening, but hi, Fanny. Um, <laughs> yeah, she gave everyone these super cozy blankets for Christmas last year. You got to have a cozy blanket. Yeah. You got to do it. Also, um, so we're building a library in our house. So mm-hmm. that it's my goal to make that like the hookahest room in the whole mm. home. But right now it's not still sitting pretty vacant. Like we don't have a chair. But I love – I want to get like a big cozy reading chair in there and like a reading lamp. And there's going to be a piano in there. And That is going to be a really cool room when it's done. I hope so. The bookshelves look great. Yeah, um, they look really good. Luke like was Mr. Woodcraftsman and did that. <laughs> Um, I don't even understand half the things that he was doing. I was just there for moral support and like lifting beams. I didn't even know he had those skills. I mean, he gets it from his dad, apparently. Yeah. But But like, I didn't know he actually paid attention that much to what his dad was doing to know. I'm constantly just shocked. He's a man of many surprises, but he built me some bookshelves, so Mm -hmm. we'll keep them. Um, But yeah, the room is like, that's my hooga room goals. I would Mm -hmm. love to make that like the hooga room where... You know, you have a big comfy chair and you're reading a book and, mm-hmm. you know, you have a snack and the kitchen's right there so you can, like, get right. tea or coffee. And So you also need a side table then for your reading chair. Yes. For snacks and, and oh, yeah. like, tea and stuff. Yeah. Coffee. To put your mug down. That's the one thing my house still needs is a reading nook. I do not have anywhere good in my house to read with, like, even, like, a it. good reading lamp. Like, it's <laughs> it's just not... It's, yeah, and also because my living room is so poorly laid out. <laughs> it's just like a, it's a, you know, it's an old row home. So, yeah, so it's a narrow, long room. And as of right now, there is nowhere for me to put a Could big you comfy put chair. one either in here or in your bedroom? Um, in here, maybe, but like, I can't imagine being like, I'm going to go sit in my office and read. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'd sooner sit on the couch with my little book lamp attached yeah. to my book. Or, you, I don't know, I feel like there's got to be some way to make something work. Yeah, I need to knock down a wall. <laughs> knock down a wall, buy the house next door. <laughs> yeah, make it a little wider. Yeah. Yeah, we're lucky to have that sort of room. It was originally the live, or the um, dining room, but then we have an eat-in kitchen, and mm-hmm. we like it that way. So right. it just sort of worked out. And, you know, I feel like yeah. we've been really lucky to have the amount of space that we have. Um, but... I'm hoping that's going to be the room that, like, becomes the hygge room. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing was um, I had a recipe recommendation. Okay. So we made binging with Babish's uh, French onion soup mm-hmm. on, like, the first sort of brisk fall, like, sign of fall coming. Mm-hmm. It is so good. It's just, like, like, a classic French onion soup. No fuss, no muss. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not like sitting there burning onions and it's not going to take you like forever. <laughs> uh-huh. And it is a really great recipe. It has a very like umami like flavor mm-hmm. to it because you actually add soy sauce, which. Oh, cool. You, like I would never think to add soy sauce, but it adds this really complex mm-hmm. like thing to it. I can see that. So good. 
What so. was the cheesy bread situation in this recipe? <laughs> a ton. That's what it was. A ton. So like um, gr- gruyere cheese is like yeah. traditionally used. So we got like a block of that, which is like a little bit more expensive, but you got to mm-hmm. you gotta go for the good stuff. And then we got just like really crusty old French bread from Wise. Mm-hmm. And basically, yeah, you, you uh, make your own croutons with it. Okay. And then you sort of like toss it in there and, you know, it's sort of like a mix in. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and we did, we do have, um, like the bowls to actually put them in the oven. So oh, we yeah. did broil it. So like you get like that crispy top so thing wait, going you, on. Like put the croutons in the soup and then put a lid of cheese. Is yes. that how it works? It's bread. So soup, obviously. Yeah. Bread, 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 cheese, 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 stick in the oven, broil. So it gets like crispy and okay. then you get like that cracky like top thing that you can mm. sort of dip your spoon into and it's like really satisfying. Yeah. I am not really a soup person, but this was good mm. for the soul. Nice. So, yeah, I guess that's my Hoga home updates. Cool. What about you? One thing for me that feels Hoga is that, especially now that I live alone, is I've been obsessive about keeping my house clean. Ooh, the best. And, yeah, and it's like, well, if the house gets messed up, I'm the only one who can be blamed for it. <laughs> So, but I, I definitely also noticed, so it was like after Robert left and the house was kind of in disarray from him moving like all of his stuff out and I then had to put the house back in order and I like changed a couple things about where things were, but I kind of fixated on being like, everything has a place. Mm-hmm. I get to make all these deci- decisions now. Not that I really couldn't before, but it's like, I don't have to consult anybody else. Right. There's newfound freedom in it. Yeah. So it's like, this is my house now and I need it to feel like my house and I want to take care of it. And it was also like this one thing that I felt like I had control over. So I've been a little bit obsessive about just making sure everything's like in its place before I leave for work, before I go to bed. And, but it, it really does give me a sense of calm Mm -hmm. and then it just makes it even easier to relax when I get home from work or after dinner or something. If everything just feels peaceful. Yeah. It sets you up to feel more calm. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. Um, (laughs) and like similar with that, I just have even more plants now. I I was admiring your your plant collection downstairs. <laughs> Getting a little out of control. As someone who needs some plants, I'm mm-hmm. like, ooh, yeah. But at that too, it's like something I can take care of and brings me joy, and it's just nice to see that. So there's that, and then also like you, know, I'm still rocking the whole like candle and twinkle light thing, especially ooh, now yes. that it's like actually dark in the evenings when I'm like kind of making dinner and stuff. I've been turning on the twinkle lights or maybe even lighting candles in the dining room, just getting back into that cozy season. Yeah. Just nice. And then for my cozy food, we already talked about boxed mac and cheese being a staple during 2020. But also I feel like my summer hooga thing that I made at least once a week on repeat all the time is just like my quick dinner um, that's easy to keep stuff on hand is also involves Gruyere cheese (laughs) is a zucchini basil and Gruyere quesadilla. Ooh, that sounds great. Yeah. And it's great because 
I can keep Gruyere in the cheese drawer. I got tortillas. I got basil out in the garden. So why, I just why to, Gruyere? It's so Gruyere. the rest. I never say it right. I think it's Gruyere. Gruyere. um i might have even talked about this recipe before on the podcast but it's from the book called let's stay in by ashley rodriguez from the blog not without salt it's just it's so easy i brown like i'll slice up the zucchini into like like slices Mm -hmm. that are kind of fat but not too fat and then I brown them in my skillet with some butter. So just kind of a couple minutes on each side. Get them soft. Just get them like cooked through and like some color on them. And then I just like to build the quesadilla. I do the shredded gruyere. And then I lay the zucchini slices on it. And then I sprinkle chopped basil, uh, basil leaves. And then you close it. Flip it over. Oh, so simple. And it, it's so good. And it was just a recipe that I was like, should I make this again this week? And it's like, you know what? <laughs> yeah. I'm not sick of it yet. Yeah. And it's cheap. And it's like the perfect amount of cooking to like feel like, oh, I'm just relaxing. I'm like putting something in a skillet. I got music or a podcast on. But then I'm not actually using too many things. So the cleanup is fast. And then I have this like cozy quesadilla to eat while I sit on the couch by myself the and watch best. TV. <laughs> The best. Yeah. Also, like, you're getting some greens in there. You yeah. got a fancy got cheese. A vegetable. Little, got, got some basil. Basil seasonal. leaves. I mean, it's better than a shredded, like, craft mac and cheese, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah concoct. I mean, here's the thing. People need to find their own hookah. And, like, it goes in any way, shape, or form. You just have to find something that is delicious, that makes you feel cozy and warm inside. Mm-hmm. Find, like, a book or a movie that's, like, a safe place you can mm-hmm. just, like, get lost in. And just give yourself some time and turn on those candles and twinkle lights and just, like, enjoy. It's the best, honestly. We we definitely need to get our own hookah days on the calendar. Yes. So for our listeners, we've decided that we are going to have, like, hookah, like, Mm. dates, basically. And (laughs) we have, like, recipes planned and stuff that we want to make that are very, like, savory, warming, and all that fun stuff. Make some Mm -hmm. cocktails. Right. It's basically like adult cozy sleepovers, but like, (laughs) no, yeah, yeah, not as crazy as they used Mm -hmm. to be. (laughs) And if you haven't listened to our Hoga episode from last year, then if this sounds intriguing to you, you would, you would enjoy it. Yes. It's It's a good episode. My literal favorite thing in the entire world. So (laughs) yeah. Well, now should we do recommendations? Yes. Recommendations. Let me pull mine up. Okay. Mine is going to, I mean, you know, here I am kind of a snob when it comes to a lot of things but one thing i'm not a snob about is a pumpkin spice coffee okay so chobani oh is this about their new coffee creamers yes so i saw an ad for this or something um i i was sort of pushed this direction from um alicia ramos who's the creator of girls night in Mm. it's a weekly newsletter that's probably where i just saw it (laughs) i love her i love girls night in i think i actually suggested it in an episode before Mm -hmm. it's a great newsletter for ladies if you're interested um who sort of love that like cozy friday night in um (laughs) But I followed her on Instagram and she like shared that she got this Chobani creamer. Now she got the sweet cream version, mm-hmm. which looks great. I haven't tried it, but I went to the grocery store and I saw that they had it and they had right next to it a pumpkin spice oat 
Ooh. creamer. And I'm a big fan of an oat milk. So uh-huh. I got it. And I will tell you, it is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like, I am a pretty basic coffee drinker day to day. Like, I don't really make myself a fancy coffee Mm -hmm. ever, unless it's a Saturday or Sunday morning. We have, like, a cappuccino maker and stuff at home. But on a school day, (laughs) we're doing, like, pour over cold brew coffee, Mm -hmm. dash some oat milk in there, you're out the door. This little addition has made my mornings so much better. Yeah. Because it's seasonal. It just makes me feel like I'm getting something special. And I do think that you don't need much of it. It is a sweeter, like mm-hmm. a sweeter flavor than I'm used to in a lot of my coffees. But mm-hmm. if you just put the right amount in there, it's like the perfect mm-hmm. little like seasonal thing. See, the thing that weirds me out is that the fact that it's Chobani just makes me think that it's going to be tangy, <laughs> Greek, like Greek, Greek yogurt, yogurt like <laughs> yeah. buttermilk or something. It's not. It's, but it's really just like good. normal creamers. Yes. Okay. And they have like a regular like half and half situation with their other types of creamers that they're releasing, but this is an oat and it's special edition. Okay. I'm hoping that they keep it around for like next year mm-hmm. or that they do seasonal oat variations because mm-hmm. I like that in comparison to your traditional like milk thing. So yeah, it's really good. Mm. Highly recommend Chobani oat milk, pumpkin spice flavor. Nice. Am I basic? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Well, my recommendation is the Philips smart sleep sunrise alarm clock. Okay, I was literally suggested that on Amazon, like, literally today. Really? Yeah, I don't know if it's, like, Prime Day or something, and they were oh, like, I, okay. oh, we think that you might enjoy this, or maybe they know that you bought it. But... Maybe they do, and they know we talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is something I've been wanting for a while, but I never got one because... Describe I... it to the people. Okay, so it's an alarm clock that's also a lamp. And the way it works is you set your wake-up time, and I think you can adjust the settings for this, but essentially the lamp will slowly and incrementally get brighter over the course of half an hour. It actually And it simulates a normal sunrise, so it actually starts as kind of like a very subtle red glow that like gets more orange and bright until it's like this kind of daylight lamp. So... The light is supposed to be kind of slowly waking up your body. Right. Getting you out of a REM cycle or whatever. Yeah. Before you actually have to wake up. And then so it reaches its fullest light potential. And then you can have it. um, They have five nature sounds you can pick from or you can have it play the radio. So I have it play me bird sounds. And even that kind of starts quietly and then like it's louder. So... I've been loving it because in this winter season, you know, like October to like April or whatever, I am always waking up in complete darkness. Yeah. And I, which is not natural. No. And so I do think that I have been waking up in a way that just feels more refreshing and less depressing Mm -hmm. because I'm not waking up in a pitch black room to be like, Oh, That's right. I'm about to get up and like work out or get up and just get ready for work and leave and have it still be dark. So to wake up in a room that's already bright, like I really think it has made a difference for me in just like the week or so I've been using it. But I love it. And then also 
I already had it so that I wake up first from my Fitbit alarm, which just vibrates on my wrist as a way to wake up more gently. So I have that go off. And then um, two minutes after that is when my sunrise alarm clock goes off. And then two minutes after that, I have my phone go off as my backup. But like this morning, my Fitbit alarm went off. And then I was like, yeah, I'm just awake now. And then I didn't, and it took like a minute or so. And I was like, oh, my birds didn't even start yet. So I'm actually just yeah. awake because the room is bright. Yeah. So I love it. I was literally like, ooh, that, that I should get that. Yeah. So I'll link to it. But yeah, oh, I was going to say, I used to want it a couple of years ago, but I would always wake up way before Robert. So it wouldn't have made a t- whole lot of sense to have this alarm go off with a bright light in the room when Robert's trying to sleep for like another hour. Right. He's like, what's going on? So now that I live alone, I was like, I'm going to treat myself to this expensive alarm clock because it is like $120. But it's like, I live alone. I don't have to worry about anybody else. It's like, it's already depressing enough. I'm waking up alone in this dark ass house. Yeah. So <laughs> so I might as well have this sunrise alarm clock and wake up with bird sounds and stuff. Plus, I'm sure it just makes you wake up in a better mood. Like, Definitely. what better, what, like, do you need another reason other than that? There's yeah. nothing worse than being jolted out of bed by your alarm clock. Oh, in the pitch black. Yeah. And realize that it's not the middle of the night. It's actually time to get up. Yeah. That's the worst. Literally the worst. Yeah. <laughs> So even if this helps my depression and like seasonal affective disorder just a little bit, it's worth it. Good. I'm glad. If, I'm glad you got that. And I'm glad it works. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, I don't really know. Like, does it actually work? But, you know, this is why we have recommendations. So we actually know if things are worth it. Exactly. Yeah. And I wanted to use it for like at least a week or so before I brought it up on the podcast. But yeah, I've used it enough now that I'm like, no, this is definitely a good purchase. Yeah. I love it. Good. What an episode, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Cookies, bake-offs, pumpkin spice, gruyere, huga. Sounds very on brand. Yeah. You guys know what this you is know. by now. You know. You know. <laughs> well, as always, thank you guys so much for tuning in and for subscribing, leaving us a review on iTunes. It really counts. Everything really, really adds up. don't forget up. about our giveaway that we're doing. Yes. To get a COVID care package from us, which yes. we still haven't finalized what's going in it, but it's going to be a lot of goodies. Yeah. Guaranteed. So that's going on through the end of November, and all you have to do is... Um, Post a review. A review on iTunes. And as extra entries, you can tag a friend in our Instagram post. Yes. Really simple. Yeah. Tell your friends. That's it. It helps us. And we're going to give you a treat. So, yeah. There you go. Um, And don't forget that you can always um, leave us your questions. Uh, You can DM us on Instagram or you can give us a call at 717-964-964. Zero two one five. Thank you. <laughs> Zero two one five. And we're at Passport Pizza Pod on Instagram. Yes. And then you can find our show notes with all the links of everything we discussed here today and recommendations and all that stuff at passportsandpizza.com. Yeah. And if you want to follow us uh, individually, you can follow Sarah at Sarah underscore Cornelius underscore or me at Rome and Go Lightly. So we can be friends on Insta. And I will say, I made us. A Passports and Pizza TikTok account. (laughs) Did I post anything on it? No, but maybe in the future. Yeah, that's true. If you want to go there and follow us just in case. We're Passports and Pizza 
podcasts on TikTok. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as always, thank you to Lara's brother, Will Gingrich, for our theme music. And guess what, guys? We'll see you in two weeks. Yeah. We'll see you next time. Catch you on the flip side. Bye. Bye. <laughs> see ya. <laughs>